0: Welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host. I really do appreciate you joining us here on this very special edition of Tell Me Your Story. You know that we're normally on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Monday mornings at 1 a.m., but now we have this special time, and we are glad that you have joined us, and we hope that you'll stay with us here as we come your way, uh, as I mentioned, on those days and times, but we also have podcasts. Podcasts are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, and other locations that you folks are reposting us to. And thank you for doing that. I greatly appreciate that. And we also uh, have a YouTube outlet, Uh, Tell Me Your Story, Richard Dugan, on YouTube, uh, where you can watch these interviews while you are also maybe even um, perusing our guest's website, which we'll be giving you shortly. And we thank you so much for doing so. We also want you to know that um, we are looking for any support that we can get, especially financially. We'll take energetic support as well. But it's the reason why we have a PayPal and Patreon account for your security as well as ours. And then we ask you, uh we don't ask much of you on this program other than to enjoy the programs, take down the information, follow up on it, and do your own research and investigation. Uh, But we ask you to participate in the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, spending that time, that quality time going within, finding that peaceful, calm, quiet, still place where you can listen to that still small voice that gives you the encouragement, the instruction, the information, the education, the inspiration. I said inspiration already, didn't I? Well, get a double dose and continue uh, your uh, evolutionary process. Today's program I think you're going to enjoy. It's about a a journey, a journey with Matthew, and it's book one, Awakening. My guest today, all the way from my old stomping grounds of uh, Phoenix, Arizona today, uh, is uh, Lynn Cuckram Murphy, and she is uh, EDD. I'm assuming that's sort of like a Ph.D. in education. Welcome to our program today. That's it, exactly. Oh, I got it right. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Thank well, thank you so much for joining us. What particular uh, area of education? Is a specific um, uh, <clears throat> minor or may I don't know how they work that.
1: The doctorate's in educational leadership, and my previous degrees were in um, special education.
0: Oh, okay. Now... If I may, I'm going to dive into that just for a moment here because when I was a kid growing up in school, I had a resource teacher. Now, my resource, resource teacher was there to help me to navigate the books and the written materials because when I was in school, I was legally blind. So I needed a resource teacher. It's a really funny story that she told me about how I started out in Catholic school, in kindergarten and first grade. Then my parents decided to move us into public school. It took her three years to find me. <laughs> but she finally did in the public school. We actually went into my freshman year of high school where she handed me off to another woman who was a resource teacher and we actually would go up into what was considered the attic or third floor of a two-story building, which was the library, but that's where we would meet and she would assist me in going through the materials to try to get halfway decent grades. I think I was an average student, C's and B or two here and there. Um, So I had, and they were still referred to as research teachers and it was still referred to as special education. I would assume that that today has broadened considerably from uh, my days in school, some 40 or 50 years ago.
1: They have made some changes because so many of those terms have become stigmatizing. And therefore, I had students who would, who would um, wait until everybody else had gone to class before they would come in through my door because they didn't want anybody to see them. Mm. You know? And really, it was meant to be a service to the kids to help them and then to discontinue when they didn't need it any longer, it was just meant to be a support. And I like that you used the word resource because that is what what we were.
0: Mm. Well, I, I, I still had the stigma because people didn't know her, but it wasn't because of her. It was more because uh, <laughs> I had to carry around large print books. Yeah. Uh, you should have seen the dictionary. Would not fit in my locker. <laughs> <laughs> This was a big book, let me tell you. And it was only volume one. Uh, but um, I then, of course, uh, started getting into uh, talking books for the blind and recordings for the blind. One is recreational, the other one is uh, more textbook or academically uh, uh, geared. And so I was actually listening to Audibles before Audibles were Audibles. <laughs> right, right. The first versions. Yeah, exactly. And I loved it. Uh, Matter of fact, what was so cool about it was when I was uh, growing up, I would put on a book either on a a piece of vinyl. And folks, for for those of you who know, there's 33 and there's 45 and there's 78. But did you know there's one and seven eighths? That's how slow a revolution. One and seven eighths revolutions per minute. And one side of a record would be 45 minutes long. And I would put one of those records on and I would listen to whatever the book was. And I would build models of airplanes and boats and ships and, you know, and listen to these stories. And it was just uh, a wonderful time. I, I, all I can tell you, it was great. But I'm glad that you are in this educational system. But you've also, you are also an author. And you also have, uh, you also have a, an institute I would like to talk about as well, the Desert jewel Institute why don't we jump in right there for just a few moments tell us about this Institute where is this specifically located and um, what what is what is it that we'll find at this Institute
1: The Institute is the name of my business and it is the umbrella under which I teach classes um, provide services one-on-one to people run groups Meditation classes, data healing, and um, occasionally events to talk about my books
0: or just to bring people together. Mm. So, this is an institute to generate, shall we say, community. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. And that's a huge thing these days. Uh, I know that a lot of people are now talking about the whole aspect and, and they're looking at the positives that are actually coming out of the pandemic that we are, might have to say, we are starting to come out of. <laughs> and yeah. uh, one of those is that very thing, but there's also another aspect of it, and that is that there is this spiritual awakening. People are starting to wake up and say, you know what, there's, there's more to this life than this life. And there's more that I need to be doing and so forth. And uh, I would take it that uh, A Journey with Matthew, book one in particular, and many of your other writings as well, that's kind of what they're about, isn't it? All of my books are about
1: spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And in the first book, Living Hope, Steps to Leaving Suffering Behind, I talk about my journey out of a dysfunctional family with a lot of trauma and tragedy in the early years and how, how I use spirituality and the belief system I was given to grow and to find a positive take on the difficulties of life. The next book, Unfolding the Mystery of Self, is about spiritual experiences and how kind of that concept of, you know, what you seek is seeking you. Mm. And then the the Matthew books, the first one, Journey with Matthew, is um, Awakening, and the second one is Living God Consciousness.
0: So they're all in that same
1: in spiritual that, genre. In
0: same genre, Yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your... Uh, I, it's just an, a, kind of a strange question, and uh, some people might even think, well, that's an awfully personal question, but can you tell us a little bit about your your inner life, your spiritual growth uh, mm-hmm. and progression uh, from the turmoils for, of your youth and young adulthood?
1: So a couple of things. One was that... I think my family had given me just enough um, religious information that I believed that there was uh, what some programs call power greater than yourself. So that there's something bigger than me out there, and that it it was where my solutions lied. It's where what the peace that's where the peace was available. So I started searching when I was still a teenager. I, mean, I even started, you know, I'd ask people, well, you seem to be wise. What do you know about? But I also um, joined a Buddhist group and studied with them for some years and then moved into um, a new age Christian commune
0: and studied with them for some years. And that's also a set of mutually exclusive terms as far as my learning is, because I tell you what, working for 15 years for a Christian radio station, New Age and Christian, uh-uh. They, it's, like, uh, it's like gasoline and fire. Yeah. This minister <laughs> was really, really
1: um, open. Mm. Yeah. Very beneficial. Um, let's see. Since then, now it's more like wherever i'm led so i have attended the methodist church here i've attended the um, the new vision center but so much of what feeds my soul is just the quiet time going within and and being guided and following that guidance so it may put a book in my hands it may may put a person in front of me Mm -hmm but it's always living in that place. And that was an ev- evolution, of course, in my life from you know a, a wayward teenager at one point to, to a seeker.
0: Hmm. Interesting. I find it interesting too, and I'm curious about your initial upbringing, your initial philosophical or spiritual upbringing. Uh, I, myself, Roman Catholic. What about, and, and I lived next door to a Mormon family. Of nine kids, nine kids, and of course, if you know anything about the history of uh, Catholicism and Mormonism, uh, yeah, it's like again gasoline and fire. But hey, we got along just fine. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. What about you? What what, what's your uh, philosophical underpinning? The
1: different relatives took me to different churches. So I went to the Nazarene Church, the Presbyterian, the Methodist. Um, The Catholic Church with the Grandparents. Is that about it? Seems like there's one more. But so to all of those, I had the um, Receiving Jesus experience when I was about 10. Oh, wow. And um, received the Holy Spirit when I was in my early 20s. I think um, I might have, oh, no, I was probably 25 or 26 Mm -hmm. by then. So all of those influences, what's also interesting to me is I had to go and look in other places because although my my family said Christianity is the answer, I saw my mother who experienced the same tragedies I did. Um, I saw her not finding enough solace in in the religion that the depression that she experienced, the unhappiness that I saw in her. And then eventually alcoholism that I was like, well, if the, if the church and the teachings are so great, how come this woman's so miserable? And I understand it a little (laughs) differently today, but that, that sent me searching and, you know, looking at, get a lot of different religions. I've studied Judaism. Some I've studied Hinduism and, Did a pilgrimage in India for three weeks recently. So, you know, maybe the point is, is there are so many paths and they're all valid. And um, yeah, just whichever one calls to
0: you. It's interesting that you say it that way, because obviously, again, in I'm sure both of our upbringings, we that is not what we heard. We heard there was only one path. There was only one way and I started taking a look at the life of a human being and uh, all of the things that we eat and drink and all of the places we can go and all of the pieces we people we can associate with, all of the possibilities for education, for career, and I thought, and there's only one way to God, and yet we have all of these other wonderful, extraordinary choices and opportunities. And only one way. And I just, I thought, that just doesn't make any sense to me. That is so illogical, you know? Uh, I joked with someone the other uh, uh, way back when we were talking about <clears throat> uh, flying to, um, I think it was flying to Europe somewhere. And I can't even remember where it was. It was just a conversation we were having. And they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take off from LAX and we'll fly to the East. And we'll talk, ah, not me. No, I'm going to go the other way. You know, who says you have to go the direct route? I'm going to go the indirect route and go the other way. <laughs> you know, or maybe I'll go down to the pole and then back up to the top pole and then come back. Just do a little zigzagging along the way. Uh, it's, it all depends upon how you want to get there or where you want to get to. And uh, I guess that's the other aspect of all that you do. And that is, where is it that you believe and you have learned that you are... Um, wanting to get to, and I know it may not necessarily be a physical place on the planet. Wow, that's a big question. So,
1: for me, there is a place within that is quiet, still, empty, and when I move into that space, all my needs and wants just vanish. So it's like when um, practicing meditation and I would take my questions and things I wanted to know into meditation. And then eventually it was like, boy, you move into that state in meditation and all the questions and problems are irrelevant. They just kind of dissolve. So that is the place that I practice going. It's higher consciousness. It's, um, I've done that for a long time, but with studying theta healing, I now know that it's the theta state, sometimes the delta state. Mm -hmm. Um, The alpha brainwave state is like the beginning stage. You want to go beyond that. Theta is a sleep state, but when you move into it and you stay awake, then you're very connected with the source of all that is. And it's an extremely peaceful place. And it's a place where wisdom is available. So that is higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. And that is what where I prefer to live. And it doesn't mean that I don't f- slip out of it because watching violence on TV can upset me. Um, when my husband doesn't do something the way I want him to, I can be like, <laughs> I can be bossy. but overall there's a place to move to where everything's just right yeah
0: well and you know the the way you the way you say that I know you you say it with love in regards to your husband um and and I deal with the same kinds of dynamics in my relationship with my present wife I kind of dealt that way uh with my first wife as well and it it seems like it is a I don't want to say stereotypical, but I think it's just the dynamics of relationships, period. Uh, You know, that we we uh, do things, we say things, we you know, we are we put on these different masks, different times of the day, different people that we meet. uh, But yet we still manage. It's like um, one of the one of the new quotes or phrases that my wife and I uh use, shall we say, uh, to, to to describe our commitment is um, we've got this. We've got this. And now we that's that's just the phrase that we use um, to say that we are we've got this, we're in this together, we're going to make this work, no matter, no matter what anyone else says or no matter what else is going on, we've got this. Do you feel that the aspect of community is truly and indeed the core of our, I want to, our, our longevity, if you will, and or legacy as a species? A lot of people, they feel like, You know, we have made so many mistakes. We've already gone past the tipping point, whether you're talking about climate change or politics or religion or the economy. And it's just we're on a downhill slide. Some people do believe that. What, What are your thoughts in that regard? Do we have this or do we not? I do
1: think that we are a... I was going to say a little behind schedule in our evolution. (laughs) I I think that uh, such such a big question. We're in a transformative period. And there's like two parts of us. There's the mask that we wear. Mm -hmm. And we wear them very much to suit our society and to protect ourselves. But I also think at another level, we're just beings of light. We're just aspects of the totality of the energy of all that is. I think that part of us is just fine and needs nothing, but chose to come here and use this platform for growth. So in terms of growing, we're doing great. <laughs> we're, and there's more to come. Okay. I think that um, this is a perfect place to work on your imperfections. So if, if it's being bossy, if it's being um, short-tempered, if it's, if it's being impatient, what, whatever your, your weaknesses are, this is a great place to work on them. In fact, I understand that a lot of beings want to be here because there's so much opportunity for growth when you're alive. Mm-hmm. But only so many people can be here at one time. So they have to wait, apparently. And so we're the fortunate ones because we are here and we get to do our purpose.
0: Well, I, I would challenge that assur- assumption on those, those entities' parts that they have to wait because... I don't know how many spaces there are. I mean, right now we're fast approaching 8 billion spaces that have been taken up by 8 billion people or ent- uh, essences or entities or what have you. Uh, I don't I don't know what the maximum, I don't know what the fire marshal will allow on the planet. <laughs> I don't either. That's just what I've been told, that yeah. more beings want to be here. Yeah. And
1: I guess we can't all be here at once.
0: Yeah. Well, I don't know what the percent—I've I've, I've actually watched the count uh, both up and down on a, uh, a population counter where it tracks the number of deaths and the number of births uh, throughout the given days and weeks and so forth. And the births are more than the deaths, apparently. But I'm not sure what the percentage is, if it's, you know, whatever it is. Uh, but it is just interesting. And I've often thought about that. It's like, my goodness, are there that many—are there that many souls— out there eight billion you know or who knows it could be 10 billion maybe it's 10 trillion uh, I, I don't know uh, and that's that's really the perplexing part of all of this is um, for some I've I've said this before if the good Lord had intended for each one of us to occupy his or her own planet, there are I'm sure sufficient class M planets in the universe that you and I would be living on separate planets guess what the reality is we're all here and so that says to me that we are supposed to find a way to work together and a lot of people are having a lot of difficulty with that aren't they It certainly appears
1: to be that way. Um, I'm a licensed substance abuse counselor. Mm -hmm. And I found that um, in my training, we were shown that if you grow up with chaos and violence, then that seems like a norm and that it's okay to live that way. So there's a couple different theories behind it, but A child will come out of that family and either perpetuate the violence and the chaos because it's their comfort zone, it's familiar, or they'll say, absolutely not, I will not live this way, and they walk away from it and live a a real purposeful life. I've seen people do both, and yet so many people are still choosing the The chaos. I don't think the television helps. When I was watching some ads for shows coming up, it was all about beating each other
0: up, blowing each other up. It's like, but what are they doing? Yeah. And the scenarios are all the same. I mean, I I will uh, sit and watch a program initially with my wife. She'll either be watching this movie or a television series. Uh, I can't stand long running television series. They drive me crazy. It's like, I remember watching the series Lost when it first came out and I was very intrigued. Season two rolls around and season three and season four and I'm going, "Uh, are you guys going to end this somehow? And how are you going to do that? And different series come along and I watch them. And then fortunately with On Demand, we were able to locate a mini series that was maybe only three or four or five (laughs) or at the max 10 episodes, and it was over. They brought everything, almost everything, to a conclusion, because they sort of leave room for a sequel, Uh, but it's like the stories are the same. And that leads me to to this part of, of what I'd like to talk to you about. You and I, as I've shared in other interviews lately, we have experienced the same emotions. To a greater or lesser degree, we share the same emotions. But it's our stories that make each one of us unique. Mm-hmm. You know, now stories might be similar. I mean, you, I'm sure, you, as a substance abuse counselor, you have heard just about every story there is to be heard. But Each person is different and all of the details might be just a little different. And that's what sets us apart. But it's also what brings us together because we do have those stories that generate that emotion. How do you help people to move beyond that emotional state and beyond those stories? You obviously found a way to do that from your own life. Mm -hmm. For others... um...
1: I would like to validate for them why they feel what they feel and where they've come from and what's happened. That's created their circumstance. So that's part of it. Another new technique or rather new technique is to write your new story, change it, Mm -hmm. make it what you want it to be. Because apparently our brains, um, will accept that as well as what is known as reality. So you can write your own story and make it the way you want it to be, make yourself feel good. There's also um, self-talk, watching what you say to yourself in your head and replacing it with something positive. Because people, you know, if a child is, is punished and told that he's, Um, not okay, just be really vague about it. Mm -hmm. Um, He'll grow up saying, yep, did it again. I messed up again. What a loser. Mom said I was a loser. You know that you've got to change that and say, mom was wrong. Mm. I'm doing okay. I'm doing the best I can. It's good enough. And on and on and on that's um, where affirmations and growth classes and counselors and in my case theta healing comes in which is a technique that i use where we, um, we remove limiting beliefs and we add in downloads of positive beliefs and connect people with their own higher self mm-hmm. so uh, so that they can stand in the the greater truths rather than the truths that they adopted from family members as was a kid or even from teachers
0: yeah yeah. And those stories, boy, they just they just hang on and hang on. And sometimes I I I, I wonder uh, with the work that you do, if if a person ever reaches a point where that story no longer bothers them. I mean, I can't go back and change the realities of what happened in my childhood as far as the bullying that happened. Mm-hmm. And I also acknowledge that Those events have made me who I am. But at the same time, with what you deal with, especially with substance abuse, um, there has to come a point where you say, okay, that is what happened. But I need to sort of, is it more along the lines of rewriting the perspective of those events? Because you can't rewrite the events. The story is the story. The facts are the facts, right? So I wrote an alternative
1: story for my own little self that, um, that my family lived at the beach where we actually lived on the edge of the mountains, mm-hmm. but we lived at the beach and that my father was always there and that we were so happy and with this and with that and the other. That has stayed in my mind, even though it's fictitious because my father died when I was two and a half and he saved my life the day that he died. Mm. Um, so, so that other story is still there but I have this this new one that I've created that is, is just fun to explore he was always there so you can make it up and comfort yourself with that I also think in doing the healing work the personal work that we r- relieve the awfulness of what has happened and our perspective changes. So so I kind of think that I'm a compassionate person in part because of what I experienced. I think that I care about and want to help others because I've suffered. Mm -hmm. So my perspective is that it was all exactly as it was meant to be. And fortunately, I chose to get good stuff out of it instead of going, you know what? I'll just have another beer no, maybe I'd rather have heroin that Mm. might really numb me just enough. So I don't know exactly why I chose the path I chose. I do think my watching family members and their alcohol problems made me go, Oh, no, I don't think so. It's not working for them. They're still miserable. So what else
0: is there? Yeah. And part of this program is about giving people choices and knowledge, knowledge of those choices, how did you come to understand that you not only could, but wanted to make a different choice? And how did you know what choice to make? Uh, those are those
1: are good questions, and I don't know that I fully understand it. But there was just always a part of me that um, looked looked for answers. In fact, I remember as a, in my early twenties, my mother said to me you know why are things like this in the world why do people so and so and i thought why are you asking me that <laughs> you know <laughs> i'm younger than you what do you mean you're asking me but there's a maybe it's the the being that you are when you come into the world that says i i have um i have wisdom or i carry the light or something like that mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, but I chose to. Oh, part of it was that I believed if other people could be happy, I I could be happy. If other people could find peace, I should be able to find peace. That um, the goodness in the world isn't just for others.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Is that the sense that you do get that the message that's out there this, the the it's been it's been actually referred to as B.S. or belief systems. <laughs> do you, do yes. you believe that? Do you think that that is the belief that has been perpetuated, that it's that's for somebody else, that this is my lot in life? I'm to be a peasant uh, and to be subjugated by this group and that group and the other group uh, and, and so forth.
1: I think your early life circumstances set the tone and that's like by age five, by age eight, seven, that it depends on, you know, cause I know my mother was mistreated when she was young. Mm-hmm. And so it was really hard for her as an adult to say, I deserve better. I deserve different for me. I think in part because of the way that she Um, the things that she did share with me that when I dated one guy who was a little verbally and emotionally abusive,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. my response was like, what are you doing? Why are you talking to me like that? This is our last date, you know? Mm -hmm. So somehow she convinced me and my younger sister that we don't put up with that. And my sister's been, Very happily married. She made a good choice. So, but it's interesting because my mother did let people mistreat her Mm. as an adult. So, but she had the wisdom and the strength to give her daughters different.
0: Different messages. Different message. You know, and it's funny too, if you think about this, and I'm sure you have, the double standard that's out there if let's say a man decides to take that kind of a position and say no you're not going to talk to me that way he's considered a strong individual he's considered you know to be taking care of himself as well as his family but if a woman and i i've heard this said especially in terms of our our new female vice president that if she responds in the same way that some of the men do she's considered crazy or hysterical or this or that or the other and it's like what yes we're different and we respond to different stimuli differently but that doesn't make it bad and and that's the thing that's always i think that's kind of perplexed me i mean i have four sisters that i grew up with never once did i ever think That they were behaving in some strange manner when they got upset over something. Because we all get upset from time to time.
1: I think it's old um, female bashing that is still alive and well. That men were the stronger sex. and, And, you know, it's not all men. But the ones who are power hungry, the ones who don't have a strong sense of self have to stand on the shoulders of other people. And I don't mean that in a good way.
0: Mm -hmm. No, 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 (laughs) I hear you.
1: Not like we're helping each other. So there are still a lot of people like that around that dominate, that feel that they have the right to walk over the top of others. Yeah. So as long as that dynamic is still around, that we're gonna have women that are persecuted. Just like there are groups that will persecute Jews or Muslim or what, you know, there's still hate, I guess is, is what it comes down to. Yeah. And so therefore, people like you and I will continue to share our message in that, that there's love and everybody deserves that. And everybody feels better with that. Mm. And we have no, no need to harm others. In
0: fact, doesn't it feel good to do things for others? This is a special edition of Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. My guest is Lynn Cockrum Murphy, and she has a book out now, book number one. Actually, books one and two are out there, A A Journey with Matthew. I remember when you and I were chatting on the phone about uh, the book, and I was trying to pronounce the name on the front cover, and it's spelled M-A-T-I-T-Y. A-H-U, and for some uh, reason, Matthew, for some reason, did not click with me, (laughs) and then you said, no, no, it's Matthew, Uh, and I take it that's probably the phonetics of Hebrew? There are several
1: ancient spellings of Matthew, and they're long and complicated like that. This is just one version. Mm -hmm. I saw several. Um, I think today it'd be really nice if I had been guided to use M A T H
0: E W because it'd be so much simpler, but <laughs> but it yes. it raises the questions. That's the beautiful thing. Oh, good! I like that. Yeah, it raises the questions. What is that? And where'd you get it from? Does it? What does it mean? What language is it from? And it, it just spurs so many other questions. We are talking with, uh, again, Lynn Cockrum Murphy. Cochram is the website. That's L-Y-N-N-E-C-O-C-K-R-U-M-hyphen-M-U-R-P-H-Y.com. We hope you'll go to her website to find out more about her and the work that she's doing to help you and to help others as well uh, to, uh, to live a more fulfilling life as we continue here on tell me your story new paradigms for a new world a special edition i'm richard dugan your host and i thank you for staying with us here on the program as we talk with lynn cockram murphy about her work and the book uh... the series actually of um, a journey with matthew spelled m-a-t-i-t-y-a-h-u <clears throat> and uh... we thank you for staying with us too, Lynn. it's uh... Uh interesting the work that you do, the institute that you have. We talked about at the first of the program, Desert Jewel Institute. Uh, you're a healer, a teacher for deep lasting change. And um, you can release the past and the pain, remove limited beliefs, heal emotionally and physically, and become your best self. No happiness and inner peace. I joke with people about how our founding fathers they gave us so much in the Declaration of Independence they talked about these inalienable rights and among them they listed three they only listed three but it was among all the others were life liberty and happiness oh wait a minute no no no. its pursuit of happiness so that that begs the question Lynn how do we be happy according to Morgan Freeman he says I found the key to happiness Stay away from idiots. That was Morgan Freeman. (laughs) What is Lynn Cockrum Murphy's uh, key to happiness? There's a place within us that's always at peace
1: to find that place, to visit it often, to have it so that you can always go right back to it. And secondly, to be aware of the ways that you make yourself unhappy because a lot of it is self-done. That would be um, if I believe I can never do enough to please my mother, then I'll never be able to do enough and my mother will never be happy with me and we will have this rough relationship. Mm -hmm. But if I can release those beliefs and move to I'm always enough, I'm always loved and I accept my mother just as she is then all the tension just kind of dissolves and mother can be around and be exactly as she is and you'd be fine with it or say you can't be around too, you know, like set a boundary. So uh, there are so many options, but uh, I think acceptance, accepting yourself as you are, accepting life as it is. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think in recovery programs, they say accepting life on life's terms. Yeah healthy stuff so yeah those are my those are my ways of being
0: you know that's. i'm sorry go ahead
1: well i was just gonna say go back to the word happiness so happiness can be really fleeting but we can practice putting ourselves in a happy state we can meditate we can grow flowers We can comb or brush the dog, pet the cat, do something for somebody else, Mm. listen to music. You know, there are a lot of good things that make it really easy to move into that state of
0: happiness. And yet it's the stories that we have been told or that we've told ourselves based upon the experiences that we've had in our lives that then form the basis of whether or not we think we deserve happiness, isn't it? Yes.
1: Some of that can be undone with counseling. Some of it, um, you know, it gets locked in the amygdala and parts of the brain, so it really takes some time to undo that. Especially when there's depression present, it's very, very difficult, but it can be done because I had depression at one time that lasted for years, mostly when I was teens and twenties mm-hmm. and I don't have depression now. I, well, the degree that most people have that um, ch- sometimes Christmas is kind of sad because most of my family's gone, mm. but just normal. I mean, that's normal. It's not debilitating. So I think with assistance, um, with resourcefulness, with a little effort, anything can be overcome.
0: Now, you're an intuitive as well. Is that correct? Uh Uh-huh. Tell me a little bit about that in terms of your tapping into your inner life, that still small voice. Is that the divine from your perspective? Yes.
1: Yes, it is. And the intuition, um, I think everybody has it. It's whether or not you choose to explore it or develop it or feel safe with it. So I remember events when I was um, teens and 20s that I I knew what was happening, what was coming next. Um, I know things about people's thoughts and feelings that... Um, if I, if I tell them, they'll go, no, that's not true. But
0: <laughs> denial, denial, denial. A bit of, I don't want to talk about that.
1: Um, and then I use my intuition to really go deep with people. So I do body scans, gather a lot of information for them, share with them that the physical, but the emotional, the psychological aspects, spiritual aspects of what I see and find within them. Um, to do whatever healing work they want mm-hmm. because it can be, you know, working on something like, I just can't get that next job. I get all these interviews, but I can't get the job. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what we're trying to change. So body scans are a really neat tool for um, getting information on how to help a person.
0: Well, it's definitely a road that each one of us has to go down to find our place and not only – in our families, in our communities, in our workplace, but (laughs) there are some people who just don't feel like they belong here. True. And I would venture that a lot of people who get involved with substance abuse, and substance abuse can cover a lot of ground. We're not just talking about drugs and alcohol. Uh, We're talking about food, as well as many other things as well too, aren't we? Food, behaviors, all kinds of, yes, yeah.
1: It's, it's numbing, basically, is what it's meant to do. And you can use food. You can use TV to, to zone out. And it's self-medicating. And it means that you're going to be st- keeping your problems. <laughs> you're yeah. going to be stuck.
0: Yeah, I hear yeah. you. What about you? Um, obviously, there was a time when, what, you felt stuck and you found the keys to unlocking uh, that, that place where you finally started moving forward. And obviously then you created this Institute, you wrote these books. Can you tell us, tell us about how you got unstuck?
1: There was a part of me that always chose what was for my best. It would take a little while sometimes. So, um, when all my friends smoked pot, I was like, you know, that makes me feel really crappy. I don't... I get paranoid. I'm not going to do that anymore. You guys can. Mm-hmm. Um there, there were people that I chose not to be with anymore because they were too um, kind. So... Wait, they were too kind? Unkind. Oh, unkind. I beg your pardon. No problem. <laughs> so, you know, then just saying, okay, these people aren't really my friends and choosing different. So over and over that part of me that wanted to be happy and healthy would win out and give me a different a different way i do think that in my family i had permission to be and do and explore whatever i wanted whether it was going to college or being a buddhist for a while Mm -hmm. i was like fine i remember my mother's reaction to to buddhism was really like just she didn't get it and yet One year at Christmas, she bought me a Jade Buddha necklace. Oh, oh, wow. So it was like, oh, honey, you're so weird, and it's okay.
0: Hmm. So she basically, in her way, showed you a little respect for what you had chosen at that time. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's okay to be you. It's okay to be different.
0: Hmm. We're talking with Lynn Cockrum Murphy. She is an educator. She is a counselor. She is an intuitive. She has an institute called the Desert Jewel Institute, and uh, it's in Phoenix, Arizona, and you you folks can uh, find her online through desertjewel.org. You can also go to, and I highly recommend going to her website, which is Lynn Cockrum Murphy. That's L-Y-N-N-E-C-O-C-H-R-U-M hyphen M-U-R-P-H-Y dot com and find out more about the work that she does. You can basically change your life, remove limitations, move from pain, grief, fear, or Abundance, uh, two, I should say, not or, but two, abundance, possibility, and joy. And uh, you can uh, connect with, you are a doctor, you have your PhD. We affirmed that at the front end of the program uh, for a session or a class. Talk to us about uh, some of these pro- classes that you have going or they're coming well, up even.
1: Yes, I'm teaching Theta Healing at the end of the month. Um, I have two students already signed up. Um, That's April 26th, 27th, 28th, Basic Data Healing, which makes you a healer, a certified healer, um, develops your intuition and connects you with the divine. So that's a three-day class. I also have a group starting on the 29th called Imagine You, You Changing the World. Hmm. And that's about empowering the people that attend to be the light force that we are and to let that shine, to, um, to accept who we are and the tools that we have and to make a difference, whether it's within your own family or whether it's within the world. Maybe it's in your workplace so lots of, there'll be lots of experiences. It's meant to be very interactive and experiential. It's for three months, one day a week for three months. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to have nine people in it. It's going oh, to be a small.
0: Okay. Yeah. So Imagine. you better get involved quick. Now, what have you got coming up maybe down the road? Uh, uh, summer, fall. I know that's a long way off. And I also know too that things could change between now and then. I'm hoping that uh, here in California, I don't know about Arizona, but California, the governor is predicting, I I put it this way, he's saying this, but I say it's a prediction based upon current situations, but it's all in flux, that by June 15th, uh, they will remove all of the tiers that we will fully reopen. And of course, my biggest question is, does that mean the pandemic is over? But uh, those kinds of things could happen uh, this summer and fall. What, What have you got going on?
1: The Theta classes, after I teach the basic one in April, then May we have advanced, and then another more advanced, and then one on manifesting in abundance. So there are six that I'm doing April, May, June. Um, I'm taking a vacation in June, then trying to think, um, working on book three in the Matthew series, the final book in the Matthew series. That probably won't be out this year since I've released Journey with Matthew book two this year. Mm -hmm. So there'll be a book launch for book two. It is in Amazon right now and just waiting for me to do a final approval. Ah. So that book is coming out. Um, The Imagine You program is three months through July. Um, That's the Thursday afternoon, evening one. After that, I don't know. I feel a lot of change is coming. So um eventually I'll be teaching less Theta Healing and more workshops of my own. The Imagine You is one of those. And I wonder, I wonder what's next.
0: <laughs> well, I'm asking you. <laughs> You're supposed to know. No, I'm... I'll know in time. You'll know <laughs> in time. Absolutely. And And it's okay to not know. It's a kind of a nice surprise sometimes when things just pop up. Well, and as
1: we've talked about that 2020 2021 things have really changed and so i want to be in sync with the changes mm-hmm. there's a lot of new goodness i think available to us now and the heaviness of last year is, is moving out so i want to create what
0: fits i tell you i i can uh, i can concur with you as far as the the craziness in one sense Um, I've been fortunate, uh, that, and of course I remember when March of 2020 rolled around and they said, we're locking everybody down, stay home. And everybody interpreted that as stay inside. And I kept telling people, they didn't say you had to stay in the house. You can go outside, just stay away from people other than the people that are with you in that home. Uh, so it's okay. You can go get some sun. It's all right. (laughs) and and uh just encouraging people hey it's all right you you know and yet i have to say that i am so glad that things are starting to shift because i don't know about you lynn um and because i i was still i've been going to work ever since i mean i haven't had a day off as far as my regular schedule i've had weekends but i you know i've been working my regular schedule since march since the lockdown uh, so it hasn't affected me in the same way, although I always have a mask with me. i got one in my pocket now. Um, and sometimes i got to go back to the truck because I'll get out of the truck and I'll head for the store front. Oh, wait a minute. Yes. Okay, back I go. And, um, and I have to be careful the way I phrase this because I then become guilty of that which I am speaking about. I am so tired of the complaining, the whining, and that's, oh, it's the, oh, poor me. And, and I just, I'm thinking, look, come on, just, I, I, I want to say, man up, put your big boy pants on, put your big girl pants on, and just, but everybody deals with this stuff differently, and I understand that. But I've always been telling people, look, it's going to be okay. It's gonna be okay. Here we we're here a year later. Now I know that over five hundred and sixty or seventy thousand human beings, friends, neighbors, and family members, aren't with us anymore in physical, and that is a darn shame. Uh,
1: but it could have
0: it could have been a lot could have been a lot worse. And you're right; that's true too. That's another aspect of this too. You deal in this counseling. But do you share with these folks, hey, look, you made this choice when you came into this world? And that's, I think, the truth that, and uh,
1: granted, it's my truth and maybe not somebody else's, but everybody's got to die at some point. And I think that we set that up in advance. And you may have more than one window that you may not take that car accident in 1972, but you do take the um, pandemic in. In 2000 and whatever year it is, 21. 21, that's <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, but, but you've got to take one of those windows and, and it's okay. It's, it's hard for us, I think, when a lot of people go at one time
0: yeah.
1: with a pandemic, with a airplane crash, you know, that that's, that's a lot for us to, to manage with our minds, but it's their choice. And it really helps. That's that acceptance thing to allow other people to do it their way. It wasn't my choice. You know, I didn't get on the airplane.
0: Yeah. And, and, but do, do, do people that you share that with, do they get it? Do they, do they understand that? Or is that something that maybe is a little, a little bit, Beyond them at that point, because they're still dealing with the very material world, their physical feelings, as well as the you kind of put it this way. And, and another phrase was uh, they they They've been self-medicating for whatever reasons. That's what they've been doing, numbing the pain. Um, do they usually come around or is that something that you don't usually share with them until they've reached a certain point in their treatment or their counseling?
1: so with it depends on what level of denial they're into if they're totally totally in denial or just working their way out of that would really very much affect what i say but we would talk about how what they think is well i just smoke pot in the evening when i'm home when i'm with my you know watching cartoons with my kids and talk about why why do you need to do that and then why do other people not need to do that people who enjoy life and then what about the effect on the kids you know you're they're laughing at cartoons with them but what about the effect that you're high and the kids know that So not just saying you can't do that because it's illegal. I mean, that's meaningless. It ain't going to work, no. Right. But then also talking about what is it in you that isn't satisfied? Because I did find with some of my younger clients, the ones that were like 18, 19, 20, Mm -hmm. That when they started getting out and doing um, real physical social activities, climbing mountains, kayaking, and so on, they they found that Rocky Mountain High that John Denver sang about. You mm-hmm. know, that there are states of being that you can get into by running. Running is a really good one for that, that runner's high. Yeah. That, then you don't need to self-medicate because you've got the good feeling that you're looking for. So talking about the consequences and talking about the alternatives and how to get there and modeling it. You know, I would take some of my um substance abuse clients hiking. Hmm. And you know, it was it was really great. If it had been okay to take them kayaking, I would have done that too. <laughs>
0: Yeah, the only place I can think of that you could kayak would be one of the big lakes in the area, like Lake Pleasant or Lake Powell or, or some of the others. Well, I say, actually, Lake Powell is in Nevada, I believe. Anyway.
1: Well, it's up on the border, but up on yeah, the border, Lake yeah. Pleasant is here, and yeah. it's good size, and we kayak there. Other people ki- kayak in uh, Tempe on the Tempe well, Town Lake.
0: On that lake that they created out of the Salt yeah. River. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when they did that. I thought that was rather interesting. Uh, and yeah. I, I, <laughs> it was interesting because um, I remember in the 70s when I was growing up uh, that we had some major flooding, major rains and flooding that basically cut the north side of Phoenix off from the south side. Mm. People were really unhappy, not just about the being cut off, but more because of the the um, the 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 way in which it was done. It was like, okay, that's the wrong side of the tracks, and this is the right side of the tracks, and it's like, not happy campers. Uh, but what I found interesting was that they, in in years later, as as you have just alluded to, they turned they created a lake, and I'm thinking. Yeah, but have they done sufficient damming upstream to prevent what happened in the 70s? <laughs> Apparently they have, but then again, I don't recall them having the kinds of rains since then. And I remember Governor Babbitt who was the governor at the time saying that it was a 500-year flood and it happened twice. Oh, and I'm thinking, okay, so that was for the 500 years going back from this moment. The second one, that's the 500 years from this point going forward. So we shouldn't have another one of these for another 500 years. Is that what you're telling us, Governor? But anyway, it's why we're in drought now. I know. And so is California. Uh, But, you know, they're telling us, first of all, as a kid growing up in the desert, my question was always, who was the moron who thought it was a good idea to build a city out in the middle of the desert? Uh, <laughs> that and was a kid. came here
1: before air conditioning.
0: That's right. Well, hey, bear in mind, I grew up with evaporative cooling. Okay, uh-huh. and there were some nights when it got downright cold in that house uh, uh-huh. because uh, it was dry enough in June and July. But boy, in August, forget about it. Um, you turn it on, but you wouldn't put the air on because. There was already enough moisture in the air. You didn't need to add to it. But I do remember growing up that way, and it was really quite interesting uh, to uh, see what happened. And I don't think it was until after I moved out of my parents' house in 1981 that they had an AC unit put on the house. Uh, interesting timing. Interesting timing. But it's OK. <laughs> what does that mean? Uh, but I, I, uh, I moved into an apartment that had air conditioning, so it was, uh, it was OK. But it's, it's just really interesting how you've got these two different parts of the world. Um, but we've got the same kinds of people all over the place. Uh, you, you, you certainly – I don't know how much news you watch or you allow yourself to be inundated with. I would assume probably not much. You don't really need to because you're picking up on it all the time. I don't need to because I am aware of man's inhumanity to man going back eons and nothing has really changed. Do you think that we have reached a pl- point in our species history, especially with this new awakening, if you will, that maybe we're, we're finally going to turn the corner even just a little bit to being a little nicer to one another? So it's been
1: said by many people that the dark forces that did influence this planet, life on this planet for so long, ha- are being pulled back and are here to a much lesser degree and will eventually not be here at all. That that is part of our evolution. And I I know that I don't notice as much of the... Um, the darker entities around, Mm -hmm. because, you know, it used to be, if I went, if I went to a restaurant or, or a bar and then came home, I would have a bunch of, of lost souls with me that I would then send to the light. That doesn't happen hardly at all anymore. There's just much, much less of that. So things are, I believe things are different here and i know a lot of people that think that there's an expo coming up um embrace your journey expo in tempe in uh just another week or two Mm -hmm. april 24th there are a lot of people there that do readings and healing and and so on that that are intuitives and have this kind of information that would be something people in the phoenix
0: area could do sure
1: Again, Phoenix is the, what, the fifth or sixth largest
0: city in the United States. Phoenix is now fifth. When fifth. I was a kid growing up, it was 15th. So that, show, that shows you how big it's gotten. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, that, um, what's it called
1: again? Embrace Your Journey mm-hmm. Expo is a great place to go and talk with people about those things and get more information. And, of course, I'll be there working also.
0: And what will you be doing there, if you can share that with us?
1: My favorite right now is doing the body scans, um, giving inf- information, but also I do some theta healing. If people want to change things, th- that we can do it right then and there, just through those higher states of consciousness. Um, so readings
0: is another thing people call that. Mm-hmm. Read healings, yeah one of the things I have shared on this program is that I've been to intuitives over the years but what I've come to learn and I'd love your perspective as an intuitive is that they do not give me any information I don't already know but what they do give me is a confirmation from their connection to me that what I know is correct should I go here should I do this? Should I not go here? Should I not do that? If I tap into my intuitive self, I already have those answers, don't I? That's true. Mm-hmm. And I've never found anything wrong with getting a little support in that regard, especially when there's um emotion attached.
1: So if if somebody's um aunt passed, and going to the funeral would be a real hardship, but they have such a need, such a drive to go, and but it's a huge hardship. That would be a great time to talk to an intuitive and see why do I have this great drive to go when it's it's such a hardship. Is this really valuable? But my own emotions are in the way I can't tell. So when our emotions get in the way and our intuition is is not able to come through
0: clearly, that's when you want to use someone else. Hmm. And again, there's nothing wrong with doing that. It's, it's something that we do because we are trying to get a handle on uh, what is so about our lives, isn't it? I mean, we're always looking for that map, you know, that's going to tell us which direction to go. Uh, I love my Vedic astrologer friend who, excuse me, who, um, and we laid it out, this is the way I put it with him, is that what he does with Vedic astrology is he basically lays out this road map, okay, telling you of the conditions that you may come across as you travel down your path. like there may be a rainstorm so you might want to take your umbrella you don't have to I'm just saying you might hit a rainstorm so if you take your umbrella you're not going to get as soaked or wet as if you had left your umbrella at home and um, he doesn't tell you what your future is he just tells you some of the conditions that you may come across and there are methods and remedies that you can use to um, to protect yourself uh, to a point uh, from some of these what are referred to as malefic uh, events or situations, as opposed to the benefic, the beneficial as opposed to the malicious. um, There are also uh, beneficial uh, um, situations you may come across. Sunshine going through for the next 20 miles. And I find that interesting. Whereas a lot of people, they're looking for answers. They're looking for a prediction. Please tell me what to do, Lynn. How 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 do you how do you help someone with that? Yeah, I I, I
1: usually say I cannot and don't want to tell you what to do, but I can tell you what I'm sensing. That if you go to school and finish this program that you have provided created a future for yourself that means that there's always an uh, this opportunity for income if you are unwilling to go to school and you say no to it then things remain shaky for a while mm-hmm. so it i see two different directions and you're totally free to choose you don't have to you know go to dental school or whatever it is mm-hmm. um it's it's your choice, but I do see the energy very different if you do this or you not Yeah. So it's it's giving information, but it's not telling them what to do. None of my business what they do.
0: Do you, <laughs> do, you uh, um, uh, do you ever run across other intuitives, uh, mediums, and so forth? And it's like for whatever reason they have felt it necessary to do that that's just it's just what they do and I know you're not you're not necessarily passing judgment and you're not going to correct them because hey that, that's what they've chosen to do and you know they'll they'll deal with the consequences just as you deal with the consequences of sharing the information that you do um
1: there are huh. different styles yeah. and but there's also different vibrational levels because I've met some that I was like, well, that is really an intense, controlling person. I would never go to that person for a reading. And then I meet others that I'm like, oh my God, that person is so incredibly loving. They would never tell me anything that wasn't kind or loving.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So of course, I'd spend time with that person. So, so picking up on that kind of thing, um, it, you know, and I, that tells you too that this is someone for me and not someone for me. Mm. And to pay attention to that because some people really are lower vibrational and some people are, um, they'll use the dark energy as well as as the light. Mm. And it's confusing, it's unpleasant. Um, It means that you can end up with attachments and other energetic problems afterwards. So I would be cautious.
0: I think that's wise advice. Uh, That's where discernment comes in, doesn't it? I love discernment. It's a wonderful gift. (laughs) You want that. Yeah. How do we develop that, though? I mean, a lot of people, they just take the word of someone and it doesn't necessarily mean that they're seeing an intuitive. Maybe it's a a religious leader. Maybe it's a political leader. Maybe it's an educational leader. I mean, I have a great affinity for my Southwest literature instructor, uh, Mr. Miller, who wrote some wonderful things at the bottom of some of the stories that I wrote that were very encouraging. But it wasn't like I would, you know, follow him over a cliff or something. I mean, he's a nice guy, but he never, I mean, and I didn't feel he would ever steer me wrong, but it wasn't like I needed to follow him as some, on some journey. But a lot of people do. So there are several factors. One is
1: karma. If I have followed Joe the prophet for 17 lifetimes and he shows up again in my life, good chance I'll follow him again. Or maybe this is the life where I go, you know, I've done that 17 times. I'm really ready for something, something fresh, something different. Or I learned everything from that person that I needed to learn. And so I'm not gonna go in that direction this time. So there, there's karma, there's like the past and what it's creating for your future, but you're always free to choose. Yes, I'll go down this path. No, I won't, I'm gonna try something different. Trying to think what else might come into play. Um, learning from our, our past is huge. But maybe there's also the um, new people showing up in your life and whether or not you choose to make a connection there.
0: Mm. Well, I tell you, if we were to begin the process of connecting with you where where would you start with us? And I know everybody's different, but I know there's got to be some kind of general starting place. What kind of questions are you going to start with or are you going to tap in first? I mean, how, does, how does that begin? So when
1: someone schedules with me, I usually uh, make a, a psychic connection to them before I talk with them so that I... I know their energy. I know I have some information, but then when we meet, whether it's in Zoom or in person, I usually ask them, "What are What do you want? Did you have a question? Did you know? Did you have something in mind already?" Then the next thing that I do is the body scan, and from the body scan comes forward a lot of information. And I tell them, "What, what would you like to start with?" With one friend. I did the body scan with her and several things showed up. One was a little spot right here on her chest. Mm-hmm. So I asked her, you know, there's this, um, and there were two other things, where would you like to start? And she wanted to start with this because this is where she and her husband agreed that he would stay with her after he died. Mm. So that's where we started. But I, so I usually give him a choice. And, but sometimes people come in with a specific question. I've been invited to move to Missouri. Should I do that?
0: <laughs> I so. Yeah. And that's not an answer that you're necessarily going to give them. Do you then guide them to find their own answer?
1: Well, I might say something like, why does Missouri feel so heavy when I think about you being there? What, is, what are you headed towards if you go to Missouri? And then they might say, well, you know, my mother's ill, and I'm going to take care of her. Mm -hmm. And um, then they start talking about the resentments that none of the other siblings will take care of her. And so in that session, we could work on those resentments, how to change things, how to accept things as they are. which, Which way do you want to go?
0: What about running from things? A lot of people, they will seek the same counsel. I want to go to Missouri. Uh, They're not running to anything. They're actually running from something. That's not really possible, is it? Because whatever it is you're running from, it's within you, right? That's good. Yes,
1: it is within (laughs) you. It's going to show up in another form, another situation, or it's just going to tell you if it's in your life plan to deal with that, it's going to keep showing up. Um, One of the things... That I've been taught is that we're here to develop virtues, and so in a lifetime you might work on four or five virtues to have, like compassion. Um, if you run away from that, it will just keep showing up, and if you don't do it in this lifetime, then you can do it in the next one. So that's one of my my common sayings is, you know, like get my attention. Oh. I'm going to pay attention now because you're nudging me. I'm being, the universe is nudging me to check something out. I don't want to wait until it's a two by four hitting me beside the head to get my attention, to get me to do whatever. Mm So I'll go with the nudge and I'll look.
0: Well, I'll tell you, it's, um, it's something that I think everyone needs to consider Uh, To me, I don't see how it's any that much different than, say, going to your uh, pastor, your priest, a good friend, or even a therapist for that matter. Uh, And if you're at a and especially when it comes to a therapist, if you're at one who is not leading you in a particular direction, but is actually uh, uh, guiding you to answer your own question, isn't that kind of the saying that your answers are in your question? actually I haven't heard it put that way
1: but yeah the answers lie within we have them yeah but uh, often people really I mean when I come back to them and say well tell me what what do you think you should do they'll be like I don't have a clue that's why I'm asking you <laughs> but we have to <laughs> kind of like back up and um, that's what, again where the body scan is helpful because I'll get information and and then I'll just ask them questions like what is it that's significant about Missouri? Why did that come up? Or um, your mother has always influenced you to so-and-so. Is that still what you want? Do you need that? You know, just... So as gr- I am grateful that I have the counseling training besides the the spiritual training so I can put them together and make that work for for the client. And so it doesn't have to be about me telling them what to do. It's about bringing in divine guidance and Mm -hmm. presenting that and then they can decide But they have support in that decision.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell um, you, it's just very interesting how all of this stuff seems to unfold for us. I went to an intuitive back in Phoenix uh, and um, after my divorce trying to Trying to find someone, I, 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 don't know. Maybe it was because I didn't want to be alone, or I just wanted to find someone that appreciated me and vice versa. And the next thing I know, boom! My my next wife shows up, <clears throat> and um, I remember going to a program uh, with uh, this um, intuitive this channel that we would go to. Uh, who, the name of the channel was Equinox, but it wasn't an individual. It was a group that called huh. themselves Equinox. And uh, I remember once uh, the, the, the entity said, and this was through a not, uh, an unconscious or um, this trans- was not. Trans channel. Yeah, trans channel. And um, the, 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 the entity said, why are you still here? You're supposed to be at the ocean. And I said, I'm working on it. I'm trying. He says, well, not hard enough. You're already supposed to be there. Well, oh. I've always wanted to get to the ocean, and finally I made it. I'm living here in Santa Barbara. I didn't expect it to be Santa Barbara, but, hey, um, that's another aspect, too, that we might talk about maybe in another program. But the, the, I like to call them coincidences, those events that coincide, that happen, and they're, they're synchronistic and, and so forth. When I met my second wife, who is my present wife, she is a native Santa Barbara, uh, and we had no idea that we would be going down the path that we did. She was working for several different cardiology companies in Phoenix. I worked for several different radio stations over the course of the first eight years we were together until we got into our respective jobs that we both ended up leaving. I was laid off or let go, and she quit. The next thing you know, we're making the decision to move to Santa Barbara, the ocean, (laughs) where apparently I was supposed to be years ago. Yeah. So uh, do you help people to to get in touch with that synchronistic part of their lives in spite of or maybe because of the drug usage or the addictive uh, usage of whatever the substances are? That's why you are where you are today. Uh. So.
1: I only work with people who have been recovered for a good six months or more. That I'm not the front lines person for when they're going through DTs. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, I am not the. Gosh, I remember those times working with people that that they had done meth the day before, and then they wanted me as their group counselor to to assist them, and they couldn't even form it. A, a, single sentence that made sense. And I had to say, you know, when you come back next week, if you're clean for a week, I'll be able to talk with you about that. But right now, you know, like, y- you can't even really talk to me Can if you noticed, and, and the client was able to say, and his best friend was there in group with him and said, yeah, dude, you gotta wait because your head's not clear at all. Mm. So um, yeah, I don't work with those people now. But anybody who's been in recovery for a while, absolutely, it's a good match because so often, once they're clean and sober for a while, their um, desire for that which is greater than ourselves really comes to play. And they benefit so much from having that energy in their
0: life. Well, it's, it's really uh, a wonderful thing that if people can come across someone that can be there to support them, such as yourself, I would recommend that you go to uh, Lynn, uh, uh, Lynn Cockrum Murphy's website, which is, of course, as we've said already, uh, com. We will be linked to your website as well, Lynn, so that people can just go straight there while they're listening to the interview. We'll have your website posted above you in the video <clears throat> so that people can see it there and they will be able to uh, jot it down and, and go to your website and get more information. Uh, before we let you go, I have three final questions that I would really like to ask you. Uh, you may have addressed them to some degree during the interview, but I like to ask them directly. Uh, there's a part of me, as my mother always used the phrase, Richard, with you stop being so facetious? Uh, <laughs> so, I ask this question uh, somewhat facetiously, or I say this somewhat facetiously, that you probably already know the questions I'm going to ask you anyway, right? <laughs> I've, I've often joked with our in-house uh, intuitive about that. I've always said, well, wait a minute. You, you knew. You had to have known, right? You already knew that this was going to happen, right? And sh- no, I did not. I'm, not. I'm not tapped in 24-7 like that. That's not the way it works. But anyway, I want to let our listeners know before I ask you these questions that we are here Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m. streaming live at those times at RichardDugan.com. We are on podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, other locations too numerous to mention at this point that you are reposting our uh, programs too. Thank you for doing that. We also are on YouTube. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. Just look for the guy with the hat. And uh, you can watch these interviews as well. And uh, I, I have really enjoyed doing these programs using video now almost a year. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's just been a, a lot of fun. It really has been to get creative with some of these programs and some of the things that I've been provided to post. As the video goes by, you'll see different things. And it's, it's kind of cool. So I hope that you will enjoy all of that. If this resonates with you, Uh, You find this to be uh, uh, of value and you'd like to be a part of what we are doing. You can join the club, so to speak, uh, by uh, going to the links on our uh, homepage to PayPal to support us financially. Uh, PayPal is there for your security as well as ours. We also ask you to participate in the decade of Perfect Vision, the 2020s, where we encourage you to go within trust, that still small voice. I think Lynn would probably agree with me and you may say so or say no I don't that uh, the still small voice will never put you in harm's harm's way. It may challenge you but it won't put you in harm's way. So as we wrap up those wonderful announcements let me ask you the first of three questions who is Lynn Cochran, Cochram Murphy?
1: I am a light. I'm meant to be here at this time. I'm a teacher
0: and a loving being. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve? through the work that you're doing now? My goal is those who come
1: to me to help them find what they're looking for. So if they need an answer, if they need healing, if they're looking for spiritual growth, I'm available. I love my work. And to bring them particularly with personal or spiritual growth, to bring that for them so that they can move forward.
0: Hmm. And finally, what is your life's purpose? Oh, that's a big one.
1: Much of it is being a teacher because I was a school teacher for 30 years. I taught for the university for 15 years. And I've been a spiritual teacher since... I think the 70s is when I taught my first meditation classes. So, um, a teacher, but a teacher, oh, we, what we also call ourselves light workers and way showers. So all within that realm.
0: Well, Lynn Cockrum Murphy, I thank you so much, Doctor, <laughs> for joining us today. And uh, sharing us your story and the work that you are doing there in Phoenix and the surrounding areas as well, and we encourage people to get in touch with you whether it has to do with uh, Theta healing, energy healing, counseling. Uh, uh, let's see, uh, is uh, oh, really I, I'm misreading something here. And let me grab this over here so I can see this better. Uh, as well as access bars, we'll have to talk about that on another time. Energetic, uh, energetic facelift now there's a new one as well as trauma releases <laughs> I have a friend uh, who's recently passed who used to do face readings uh, mm-hmm. which I thought was very very interesting Th- this is not the same thing no no
1: it's part of access consciousness and I don't do I don't tend to do much of that work right right now mm-hmm. But it was something that I was definitely into
0: for a couple of years there okay well you're a speaker theta healer author spiritual teacher a uh, chemical dependency counselor, channel, uh, mindfulness and meditation teacher as well as an intuitive consultant and we thank you for joining us here on the program as well as offering classes in Arizona, California, Minnesota and uh, you can get in touch with her through desert desertjewel.org or go to dot murphycom And we thank you again for joining us. And we thank you for listening and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to love.